All right, social media family. Thank you for joining us once again for another installment of the Grace, the Power of the Gospel series. Now, we are on Lesson 12 tonight. Lesson 12. All right. Now, the subtitle for this is Your New Husband. Your New Husband. Some people are getting excited because they don't like their old husband. <laughs> oh boy. Okay. Alright, so where are we going to start? Let's go to Romans 1. I mean, I'm sorry, Romans 7, verse 1 through 4. Romans 7, verse 1 through 4. And as we're going to that scripture, I'm just going to read the first point on our outline. It says, Paul began speaking to Christians who used to be under the old Jewish law. Believers who were very aware of God's standard of performance and judgment on sin. Okay. How many of us can relate to the Jews that were under that Jewish law coming from works-based, law-based Christianity. Okay. Yeah. So Romans 7. And I'll come from, let's come from the New Living Translation, verses 1 through 4, chapter 7. And it reads like this. Now, dear brothers and sisters, you who are familiar with the law, don't you know that the law applies only while a person is living? For example, when a woman marries, the law binds her to her husband as long as he is alive. But if he dies, the laws of marriage no longer apply to her. So while her husband is alive, she would be committing adultery if she married another man. But if her husband dies, she is free from the law and does not commit adultery when she remarries. Verse 4. So, my dear brothers and sisters, this is the point. You died to the power of the law when you died with Christ. And now you are united with the one who was raised from the dead. As a result, we can produce a harvest of good deeds for God. Now, you see verse 4? Because Paul is painting the picture here of the law and how a wife is bound to her husband as long as he lives. But we see Paul painting a picture here about the Christians, the believers' relationship to the law in verse 4. Now I'm going to read verse 4 in the Passion Translation. And it reads like this, it says, So, my dear brothers and sisters, the same principle applies to your relationship with God. For you died to your first husband, the law, by being co-crucified with the body of the Messiah. So you are now free to marry another, the one who was raised from the dead, so that you may now bear spiritual fruit for God. Now, when we're talking about marriage, right, we're talking about a intimate covenant relationship. Right? 
two become one. And you see what Paul is doing here. How he's trying to get us to see our participation, the relationship we've had, we have with the finished work of Christ. Because <clears throat> what did Jesus say about the law? He said he didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. So, yeah. We couldn't do it in and of ourselves, but we are what? Co-crucified with the body of the Messiah. So he died on our behalf so we can do what? Receive the gift of righteousness. So I am made righteous, not because of my deeds, but because of his work, because of his death, his his resurrection, his death, burial, resurrection. We, we partake of what he did for us. So I am married. You are married to him. Yeah. Joint heirs, seated at the right hand. Never gets old. <laughs> it still is amazing every time. We take on the name too. Us as ladies, when we get married, we change our name. So we change our name as like spiritually too. We, you know, when we said when Satan sees us, he sees Jesus. So, you know, I was saying that too. When That's I was good. That. That's good. That's good. Because we in the family. We family now. Which actually makes it really interesting. Again, when you when you see the people that resist the changing of names. Yeah, yes. how the enemy is just trying to yeah. niggle out the whole concept of oh yeah, I yes, there's some relationship with Jesus keep it. by knocking family out. <clears throat> yeah, <in> many ways. <laughs> They're all about me type of stuff today. It's sad. There's no relationship left. And that was the question that kind of rolled on my head. Is based on what Judas read, you think it's hard for? I'm saying the younger culture to identify with this scripture based on yeah. how marriage has changed culture, yeah. you know, oh, the yeah. things we do. So yeah. I was just kind of thinking about that. It may be hard for them to apply this based on what their interpretation of Yeah, perceptions are so yeah. turned like that now. Well, I think that's where you know, the Lord says to pray for um, Pray for workers for the harvest. And I keep thinking, you know, particularly in the pockets of places where, where um, family units have broken down so thoroughly, mm-hmm. we need the church to get in there and show what it looks like. We need to live it. That's because they, they need to see again. They need to understand the picture that's in the word. Right. Wow. That's pretty deep. Because think about it, like the attack, the the attack on the marriage institution, right? On <coughs> another level, it's really attack an attack against the gospel. Right. It's totally an attack because on of Jesus. The picture, right. Because of the picture that is painted. 
if you go to Ephesians 5, let's look at that real quick. Ephesians 5, and let's go to verse 31, 32. And we're going to read that in the Amplified. I mean, not in the Amplified, but in the New Living Translation. Ephesians 5, 31 and 32. It says this. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So you distort the natural picture of marriage. You distort the, the imagery. The picture book. Mm -hmm. I'd call it the picture book, a shadow book. <laughs> like the Old Testament, really. So Julia just said it, but you become one when in God's eye, and when and it's like when we're talking about our righteousness, we're like, oh, we ain't worth nothing. When God looks at us, he sees what Jesus did because we're one with them. Mm. It's the same thing when it's with, you know, a husband and wife become one. It's not two people anymore. I mean, you're two people in the natural, but, you know, it's, looks at it's just one. I think like the enemy is against, like, you know, I mean, of course he's against them. I mean, he he's is. really been, like, fighting the idea of, any relationships, healthy relationships for the past while, you know, because it's like, I know this is not marriage, but this idea like family, like we're talking about like bonds and stuff. Like that's important. You know, we say it, one of our biggest things is our Bible study here, you know, a lot of times it's a relationship with God, number one, but you know, relationship with each other, you know, healthy ones. And I go, my mom and I, I mean, we were in a body of believers. I'll say it that way. And I believe they met good, but they, um, they were against us being close as a mother and a daughter. And it caused a lot of damage, which, caused a lot of damage on spiritually on myself and my mom and I go Satan's out to just steal kills destroy you know and mm -hmm. if you can start with that and then marriages and you know mother's daughters father's sons and I mean when you have a good you know grounding the, with God the, the and that gets messed up then there's no communication it doesn't mm -hmm. things don't flow right I don't know I was just kind of thinking of that in generalization too I think it's really true it's so sad yep it's all about like me today it's like you're enough. Just look in the mirror. Tell yourself you're enough, you know, and it's like, well, in God I am, but I mean, you know, like, we need each other, you know, brothers and sisters, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's true, but it's that push to be separate, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, you're in the culture, and I know self-independent. I'm not going to say, oh, but there's a, you know, there's a group of women who say, well, I don't need no man. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, and so, therefore, I, I totally do this all by myself, and, it's, and then, yeah. so if you're pushing that narrative, like I said, it, when coming to look at the body of Christ, this looks it looks yeah, foreign. Yeah, so it looks it foreign. Does. So it's yeah. this thing. Okay, so now and then you just made a statement where I don't need nobody. All I need is Jesus. Well, if you take that out of context, yeah, like you said, yeah, okay. And then you know Jesus is enough, but God created us for relationship. Exactly. Yeah. Totally. Therefore, he didn't. He said, okay, yeah, I, I'm enough, but yeah, I put people around you because that's in this yes. world, in this earth realm, we need relationships. God is supposed to be number one, not oh well, you know, oh I don't need anything. That's like that's right. a dangerous place to be if you don't like understand. What so, would be the point of him creating Eve, Adam? Thank you. Say, okay, Adam, you Please, good. yes. You know, no, he okay. Yeah, he said he saw that man was alone. So hey, I created 
it's somebody yeah. to have a relationship with. So because yeah. once again, it points to our God, right. who's three <laughs> three in one and full of relationship. Even God is three. I mean, right. that's the thing is all true, of the pieces right. of a relationship and all the different parts of family all reflect Christ. And that's why I think the family from prenatal to death is being attacked. Yes. Why, it, you know, people, um, even in the nursing home, you know, you say, well, you know, we can take care of your mom. We got it. You know, you can go do your thing. It's like, mm, no, thank you. No, thank you. This is the way the body works. <laughs> I appreciate your help. And yes, I will use it, but, but it, it, we need to be together too. We need to work. That's together. a sad you know, thing. Too. Just so many pieces all the way along. And we, we all know the prenatal issues. That's good. And it, it just, it goes back to the imagery of the body, the members of the body, right? You know, because each, each, Part of the body has its individuality, its, its, its function, but apart from the whole, it's it's foreign. Like, what would a, what would an eyeball just look at look like just individually just sitting out on the counter somewhere? <laughs> or an ear, about that the other day. A ear in the closet. Look like Halloween. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's, it's a horror show, right? Horror movie, yes. <laughs> But all, this all the parts together, the nose, lips, ears, forehead, all that stuff in one unit, there's an interdependence. Each part has a significance. But there's the significance, the ability for that body part to function is contingent upon its connection with the body. That's where Satan, yep, like you said, is trying to attack that too. Right. Trying, to, trying to get the body apart. Trying to get you to look at your eyeball, get the eyeball to look at itself. You know what? You don't need to eat that ear. You don't need to forehead. <laughs> you're right. bad all by yourself. And then get the eyeball to jump out the body and be by itself. It's yeah. just all it can do is look at itself. Yeah. It can't it can't travel. It can't transmit information. It's just looking at itself. Standing still, yeah, doing nothing, and that's what the enemy wants to do, right? To iso separate, isolate, and conquer. Mm -hmm. Also, on the flip side of that is, say this: that Christ said, when they when they're attacking you, they're not really attacking you; they're attacking me. And we need to keep that perspective as well, mm -hmm. so that when we have issues, um. To say, okay, I, you know, I, I have this sickness or I have this problem or financial issue or whatever that's coming against me. And, and we get depressed, 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 thinking about me, me, me. And he's saying, it's not about you. This, this evil is coming against me and my name and my body. And you come to me and, and I'm your answer for it as well. And, I, and, and the healing is in me. Because I'm whole, I'm complete, and you have me, the whole complete one inside of you, where you're gonna find that healing. So, because I see so many of the issues you deal with, the emotional, mental issues, as well as the physical, and just in the church. Oh, that's, I guess that's where I'm just getting really passionate about it, but in the church, we just, 
dwell on our aches and pains and problems all the time. And we just, we've got the answer. We've got the answer. And it's together as a body agreeing that Christ is enough. Because you need that encouragement. We do. Are you going through it? It's trippy. And we sometimes have to wait. Right. And it's hard to wait right. when you don't see answers. When you're praying. How well you know. Yeah. You know. That, you're that, still that, feeling it. That prayer time, you know, when you kind of, you're just going about your day and you kind of, somebody will come to mind. Mm. When you take a moment, you start praying for them, you don't know what type of impact that's happening. That's right. For real. Like, and people that are going through, you know, mental attacks and just <laughs> that, you know, heaviness will just jump on you. Yeah. You know, when you obey that prompting, Say, go to the side, pray for five, ten minutes, or you know, pray in the spirit or whatever. You don't know what type of impact that's having for somebody. Joseph Prince has a story about that when he was a teacher back in his early days, and and he was teaching in a classroom, and one of the little girls didn't show up for several days. Like, I think it was nearly a week or five days, something like that. Anyway, um, but he had promptings to pray, and and he, so he did, and he prayed in tongues regularly for her and prayed the blood of Jesus was what he was impressed to do. Played, prayed. She had been kidnapped and would have been killed, except for that her kidnapper literally rejected her as if something was wrong. She was supposed to be a satanic sacrifice, and it was the blood of Jesus. It was the blood of Jesus completely. And, they, put, you know, when, when he saw her again, they put all these pieces together, and he said, wow. What if I not listen to the promptings? Yeah. We so, need each other. It's true. Like another like testimony to Yeah. Like the other day I had text a friend, um, mom and I were going through some things and I text her and her and I don't even doctrinally agree on everything, like perfectly, but she's such a good friend. She's like always there, I'm always there for her. And we, you know, kind of just agree to disagree on some of the fine comb, you know, tooth comb stuff. But however, she not only prayed for me, she said, I'll pray, girl. She wrote these prayers to me. She's like, in Jesus' name, this, and all this stuff. And I go, I know that had an effect on some good things that came out. And I go, thank you, girl, you know, for praying. And I go, I'm there trying to be there for her. And I go, we need that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, you doing that, right, you know, just that prompting to pray, that is just another manifestation of the grace of God. Yeah. Opening itself up to you, to you, to each other. It builds us up when we find out that God really w was making an impact in somebody's life and we hear about it afterwards. Yeah. 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 You, know, <clears throat> you know, I was thinking, uh, listening to what Julie was saying, her, that friend of hers, they, did, they don't doctrinally agree, but it's like, to me, that that is so important not to turn our backs or disassociate ourselves with our brothers and sisters. Yeah, yeah. Because we yeah. don't agree on things, doctor. Because when you look at the body of Christ, that's that's really everywhere. That's it. I mean, that's the denomination. Mm -hmm. And and I know people, you know, men and women of God really heard from the Lord, but then, you know, somehow didn't hear it correctly or, but the bottom line, I think Satan got involved in it 
and cause that divisiveness to where kind of like put us out there now. But when we, like Julie, just disregard that, 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 you know, we don't agree on this, and then go ahead and join together with her, that's when that power comes together and that power is released because two agree, you know? So it's like bringing the body back together in spite of the fact that, okay, we agree on this, we agree on that. And so, I mean, I think that's pretty awesome. I think that's pretty powerful. And I think, you know, I mean, it's kind of like that's kind of gave me some encouragement hearing that. And the kind of path that Stacey and I are, we're walking, it's like, you know, that's most of the people that we know, we don't document agree. That's right. <laughs> yeah, it is. So, yeah. you know, we're, we're not going to leave. You know, we're not going to leave. That's good. Mm-hmm. That's good. Let me see. Now, let's go to Galatians 4. Let's start at verse 21. Again, we're you know we're talking about the law versus grace and the believer's relationship with grace. Because again, you know, like what Kevin and Julie were talking about, if I'm living by the letter of the law, and I'm thinking, you know, in order for me to be the the holy right Christian that I am, I got to toe the line. And if my denomination says you got to wear long dresses, well, bless God. If you're not wearing long dresses, you got women preaching, I can't talk to you. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we're not, no we not living by the letter of the law, but by what? Spirit. By the Spirit. By grace. Yes. Right, and so the word, where, where does it say in the word that we actually look at each other differently now because of that? That we see each other in the spirit. Does anybody remember this? Yeah, it's uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 16. We, we can go there after this. All right, Galatians 4, yeah. 21. Starting at 21, it says, Tell me, you who want to live under the law, do you know what the law actually says? The scriptures say that Abraham had two sons, one from his slave wife and one from his freeborn wife. The son of the slave's wife was born in a human attempt to bring about fulfillment of God's promise. But the son of the freeborn wife was born as God's own fulfillment of his promise. These two women serve as an illustration of God's two covenants. The first woman, Hagar, represents Mount Sinai where people received the law that enslaved them. And now Jerusalem is just like Mount Sinai in Arabia because she and her children live in slavery to the law. But the other woman, Sarah, represents the heavenly Jerusalem. She is the free woman. She is our mother. As Isaiah said, rejoice, O childless woman, you who have never given birth. Break into a joyful shout. You have never been in labor, 
for the desolate woman has now has more children than the woman who lived with her husband. <clears throat> and you, dear brothers and sisters, are children of the promise, just like Isaac. But you are now being persecuted by those who want to keep the law, just as Ishmael, the child born by human effort, persecuted Isaac, the child born by the power of the spirit. But what do the scriptures say about that? Get rid of the slave and her son, for the son of the slave woman will not share the inheritance with the free woman's son. So, dear brothers and sisters, we are not children of the slave woman. We are children of the free woman. We are children of the free woman. So human effort or God's grace. That's our choice. To walk in the spirit or walk by the power of the flesh. Now I want to go to that scripture that Mary was referring to. 2 Corinthians 5. 2 Corinthians 5. I saw verse 15 and read down to verse 17. All right, read this in the New translation again because it makes it so plain here. It says, He died for everyone, referring to Christ. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life would no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. Verse 16. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This means that everyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. And a new life has begun. Now, verse 16 in Amplified says, so from now on, we regard no one from a human point of view, according to worldly standards and values. Though we have known Christ from a human point of view, now we no longer know him in this way. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ that is grafted in, joined to him by faith in him as Savior, he is a new creature. Reborn and renewed by the Holy Spirit. The old things, the previous moral, spiritual condition have passed away. Behold, new things have come because spiritual awakening brings a new life. So you see the theme of trading in the old for the new. Very important. And that goes right along with Romans 5, I think. <laughs> Still trying to get the numbers right. Yeah. I'm like that. I'll be like, I know a scripture. I'm like, I know that scripture. Where is it? It's getting better, but oh my goodness. <laughs> okay. And this is why the 
the mixture of covenants is so dangerous. Oh boy, yes. Yeah. Okay. And the mainstream church, it's all about that. Trying yeah. to trying to bow browbeat a newborn, a born again person with the law mm -hmm. to try to get them to, to live in holiness. It just brings about more pressure and 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 tugging on the flesh to produce more doom. And eventually what's what happens to the flesh? It's gonna get tired. It it's gonna break down, and it's gonna fail. Mm -hmm. And then once it fails, that's when the enemy swoops in with the condemnation and try to keep yeah. keep you down. Like you see, you knew I knew you won't. You know you won't no good. Mm -hmm. You going to that church every Saturday, making sure the soup kitchen is running. Making sure you had the prayer, our power prayer meeting every Saturday, and you still cuss that lady out at food line. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. Mm -hmm. And then you hear the preacher say that same thing, preaching out the law, and then you go home feeling like hot garbage. Mm -hmm. And then, mm -hmm. then what happens? Just a practical example temptation comes again. And then the, You're more susceptible. the susceptibility to fall that time is greater because what? The you condemnation is there. You believe it. Because you believe, oh, that's my true self anyway. Why do I even, why am I trying to put on this facade of being a Christian? But the, but the issue is not the, your not being saved. It's your trust. It's our trust. What are we trusting in? In our own effort. Or in Christ's ability to work through me, mm. releasing that self-effort, saying, you know what? God, all this, walking in love, helping people, being a blessing, all this stuff is too much for me, too much for my flesh. But it's not too much for you. Mm. I need you today. Mm. Guide my steps. Yeah. That, that humility, you know, asking for that day by day. That's what's going to free up the our, our, our hearts and minds, so we can be prompted. And, and when we do slip, it doesn't keep us down, mm. but we can get back up, wipe ourselves off, and keep keep going. And sorry if I harp on this too much, but it's still so new to me. I love it. <laughs> is praying in the spirit? Oh my! Because it it's a humility as well. To pray in the Spirit when you don't know what the words are, but you know that the Holy Spirit is working and speaking through you. And I just find that is such a huge gift to get through the condemnation part. It is. And, you know, I, I've I totally, really needed that. I totally agree. And, you know, it's, it's interesting. I brought it up to mom. She already knew, but we had talked about it yesterday. I think I mentioned it. I was going, when I went through what I did almost be four years ago now, but I was like, God, whatever. you got to be different. I don't want anything to do with you. Um, probably like a year and a half to two years into it, it was things I was going through and I really needed God and I always did, but I mean, like I, I you didn't know what to do, <laughs> but I would not pick up the Bible. I was scared to freaking death of it. You know what I mean? Like I just didn't, but I wouldn't pray in the spirit. I was filled with the spirit, but I was afraid of it. I had God tell me too. When I stopped doing it, like way before even when I kind of walked away from God, I was scared of that. Anyways, long story short, I heard God tell me, he was like, 
take all the time you need. It was he didn't condemn me or anything. And I'm like, I used to think like, oh my gosh, I'll start speaking his tongues. He's going to like kill me or something. And it wasn't. But then when I started again, about a year and two years later, it felt so good. But I hadn't even picked up the Bible yet. I was still, I was still scared of the Bible praying in tongues. I know that sounds weird, but you know, but it was, it was the word, the living word was able to be spoke. So I'm just saying as a testament, I agree with you. It is, it's a gift that we should never take for granted. It's true. The type of things that you can, you know, begin to believe when you want religion and law is, is, is sown into your mind, it'll mess you up. Yeah. You know, it really will. Yeah, it is. It can be devastating. It's true. Thank God for Jesus. Though. <laughs> right. right. You know, I've been, um, I've been kind of meditating a little bit on that. The previous passage scriptures we were reading in Galatians 4, I hate to digress, but it's kind of really That's okay. Mm -hmm. um, and it, you know, when we read it, it's reminding me of another passage of scriptures, and I forgot where it is, how it talks about there is neither Jew nor Greek, male nor female, how we're all one in Christ, and that middle wall of partition has been knocked down. So, and I, I guess this is a question, you know, you know, with that, you know, support of these scriptures, as a, a non-Jewish person and a Jewish person, born again believers, all of them are the same cup, two together. So, is there any difference or between a say a Gentile, non-Jewish person who was not a believer and a Jewish person who is not a believer in Christ. Hmm. Now we getting into some some theological waters I don't I I'm, I'm not prepared to tread on tonight. The only but thing that comes to I, my mind quickly is is uh in the tribulation the Jewish nation is gonna get well, I guess everybody really though gets a second chance, but they're the Jewish non-believer. It seems like during that time of tribulation, there's going to be an awakening of the Jewish nation again. Wow, that's the only thing I can think of. Okay. That's cool. All right, let's do this. Let's remember, right, when what God said to to Abraham, right? What did He say? So I will bless those that bless you bless and curse you. those that curse you. Yeah. Right. That the Abrahamic covenant, Abrahamic covenant, right, for the Jewish nation. Right. So. And, and that they remained his children no matter what. Because that though the, the Jewish people are, are identified, right, mm -hmm. in the old covenant God's people. Mm -hmm. So God is not a man he should lie. Right. 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 And so the promise for the Jew the blessing is not null and void because of what Christ did. Right. Right. Now, as far as salvation is concerned, eternal life, there's only one door. And who is that door? Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Yeah. No man comes to the Father but by me, John 14, 6. Mm -hmm. Right, but that doesn't negate the natural promise that 
would be to the Jewish nation, mm. people. Right. So that I see, I got, see Kevin and got me all theological. So what we got to do <laughs> now? Let's go to put it away. Let's go. Let's go to Ephesians. Let's go to Ephesians two. Just taking it all away. Right. It's good though because these are the questions that actually come up. It's true. It's good to, to you know fill in the gaps. You know and kind of know. You know. Uh, Ephesians two. We will go to verse eleven and go down to verse seventeen. All right. All right. So again, this is this is Paul talking to the Church of Ephesus, right? It says in the New Living Translation says. Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. Mm -hmm. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision, even though it, it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship from the people of Israel, and you did not know the covenant purposes God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. But now... You have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Jesus, the blood of Christ. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people. When in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of law with his commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from the two groups. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to, to God by means of his death on the cross. And our hostility towards each other was put to death. He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him and peace to the Jews who were near. Now, all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. So now you see, you see what is said here in verse 17? He says, he brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles, referring to every non-Jew, who were far away from him. Yeah. And peace to the Jews who were near. So they were near because why? The prophets, all and of the them proclaimed and, and, and spoke of the promise. Yeah. The scriptures are filled with the promise. And their whole tradition was recite, 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 even though they didn't know what they were talking about. It is all pointing to, the, to, to Christ. So at the end of the day, it's all about him. He is the centerpiece. Mm -hmm. the, Jewish, the Jewish people, they held the law that, that, that spoke, proclaimed Christ's coming. Mm -hmm. But it does also say that, that um, because of their rejection, I think it's in Acts, their rejection, this time of the Gentiles, their eyes are blinded. As well. Now that's that's as a whole nation. And that's why I was thinking there's there is a time coming when when it's gonna come clearer to them quickly. Like it like 
we as the Gentiles have been given an opportunity during these 2,000 years or 2,000 plus years. Is that right? All right. So you're going to give me more reading here. <laughs> okay. All right. So I'm going to finish this chapter off and then we're going to go to, um, we're going to go to, um, I'm going to go to second, back to second Corinthians after this and then we're going to go to Romans 9. Okay. Okay. All right. So look at, look at the last bit of this chapter. Ephesians 2 says, so now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. All right, now, 2 Corinthians, and let's go to chapter 3. second letter to the church of Corinth here, okay? Chapter 3, verses 4, all the way down to the end, it says, We are confident of all of this because of our great trust in God through Christ. It is not that we think we are qualified to do anything on our own. Our qualification comes from God. He has enabled us to be ministers of his new covenant. This is a covenant not written not of written laws, but of the spirit. The old written covenant ends in death, but under the new covenant, the spirit gives life. Verse seven, the old way, the laws etched in stone led to death. Though it began with such glory that the people of Israel could not bear to look at Moses' face, for his face shone with the glory of God, even though the brightness was already fading away. Shouldn't we expect for greater glory under the new way now that the Holy Spirit is given life? If the old way, which brings condemnation, was glorious, how much more glorious is the new way, which makes us right with God? In fact, that first glory was not glorious at all compared with the overwhelming glory of the new way. So if the old way, which has been replaced, was glorious, how much more glorious is the new, which remains forever? Since this new way gives us such confidence, we can be very bold. We are not like Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the people of Israel would not see the glory, even though it was destined to fade away. But the people's minds were hardened. And to this day, whenever the old covenant is being read, the same veil covers their minds so they can't understand the truth. This veil can be removed only by believing in Christ. See that? Mm -hmm. Yes, even today, when the 
when they read Moses' writings, their hearts are covered with that veil. Mm -hmm. They do not understand. Verse 16. But whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Yes. For the Lord is the spirit, and wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed to his glorious image. That's cool. See, Paul is laying out answers for us. He's telling us. Right? It's the ministry of reading. You got the answer. I was looking for those other passages of scripture you was reading. And I was thinking about what was said about, you know, Israel, you know, I mean, I'm sure there are Christians in Israel today, you know, just, you know, Jewish in Israel today, and probably. Islam's, you know, Islamic faith and Israel is, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's, I mean, man judges our parents, you know, God judges the heart, you know, and I mean, the 12 apostles were Jewish, and at the same time, the ones who rejected him, you know, the scribes, chief priests, they were Jewish, so it's, um, I mean, it comes down to individual heart, you know. But, uh, I and he says he's always, there's always a remnant. There's always a remnant yeah. who believes and follows. And it's from the heart. It's not, you know, they're sons of Abraham, so to speak, who are through faith, not through the written code. And also in Romans 10, like the famous chapter about like salvation, I was kind of noting over there, you know, over reading. For the scripture says in 11, whoever believes on him should not be ashamed, for there's no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. Mm -hmm. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So it kind of just goes. Yeah. yeah, good teaching. So yeah. just to be clear, what we're talking about here is not replacement theology. No. Right. It's not just to just put that out there. Grace and Faith Fellowship does not endorse replacement theology. Okay. All right. That's right. Not because God did not throw away the Jewish people. No, 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 no. Not at all. And then I believe no. everything we've read has made that abundantly clear. Yes. Right. Absolutely. And the door is open to all. <clears throat> yes. But that one door has been identified in the person of Christ. Absolutely. And on a side note, he was a Jew, so there you go. <laughs> you go. Thank you, Jesus, for the Jewish um, our Jewish brothers. Can't get much more. They were just the first conduit. That's right. Yeah. Can't get much there more to it, can you? We appreciate y'all. Hey, hate to say yes. it, but Jesus was a, not my real hate, but you know, he was I mean, a Jew. Well, since, <laughs> since Kevin has started song, we just need to just keep going on this train here. Okay. <laughs> let's, let's, let's go to Romans 9. Okay. Also, while we're we're looking for that, um, there's a website called One for Israel, 
which is just amazingly encouraging because they're like five to 10 minute um, testimonies of people that the Jewish people that the Lord has brought to Christ. Yeah. And I'm telling wow. you, if you ever want lifting up, that's a great place to go. <laughs> that is neat. That is cool. Because he's just, he's reaching out to Israel in a big way. We knew of a synagogue, the whole synagogue turned to Jesus. Wow. They had their, the whole, the rabbi all the way down. Wow. The That's so incredible. just went. It was nice having so, them talk about Jesus. Right. Both sides, they had it because they knew. So let's start at verse, let's start at verse one. All right. I just, Paul, again, speaking to the church at Rome, says, With Christ as my witness, I speak with other truthfulness. My conscience and the Holy Spirit confirm it. My heart is filled with bitter sorrow and unending grief. For my people, my Jewish brothers and sisters, I'll be willing to be forever cursed, cut off from Christ if it would save them. They are the people of Israel, chosen to be God's adopted children. God revealed his glory to them. He made covenants with them and gave them his law. He gave them the privilege of worshiping him and receiving his wonderful promises. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are their ancestors. And Christ himself was an Israelite as far as his human nature is concerned. And he is God, the one who rules over everything and is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. Verse 6. Well then, has God failed to fulfill his promise to Israel? No. For not all who are born into the nation of Israel are truly members of God's people. Yeah, that's it. Being descendants of Abraham doesn't make them truly Abraham's children. For the scriptures say Isaac is the son through whom the des your descendants will be counted through Abraham, though Abraham had other children too. This means that Abraham's physical descendants are not necessarily children of God. Only the children of the promise are considered to be Abraham's children. For God had promised our return about this time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Verse 10. The son was our ancestor, Isaac. When he married Jacob, when he married Rebecca, she gave birth to two, two twins. But before they were born, before they had done anything good or bad, she received a message from God. This message shows that God chooses people according to his own purposes. He calls people, but not according to their good or bad works. She told, she was told your oldest son will serve your younger son. In the words of the scripture, I love Jacob, but re rejected Esau. Verse 14, are you saying then that God was unfair? Of course not. For God said to Moses, I will show mercy to anyone I choose and I will Show compassion to anyone I choose. So it is God who decides to show mercy. We can neither choose it nor work for it. Right, verse 17. For the scriptures say that God told Pharaoh, I have appointed you for the very purpose of displaying my power in you and to spread my fame throughout the earth. So you see God chooses to show mercy to some and he chooses to harden the hearts of others so they refuse to listen. Well then, you might say, why does God blame people for not responding? 
Haven't they simply done what he makes them do? Verse 20. No, don't say that. Who are you, a mere human being, to argue with God? Should the thing that was created say to the one who created it, Why have you made me like this? When a potter makes jars out of clay, doesn't he have the right to use the same lump of clay to make one jar for decoration and another one to throw garbage into? Verse 22. In the same way, even though God has the right to show anger, his anger and his power, he is very patient with those on whom his anger falls or destined for destruction. He does this to make the riches of his glory shine even brighter on those to whom he shows mercy, whom, had, whom were prepared in advance for glory. And we are among those whom he selected both from the Jews and from the Gentiles. Verse 25. Concerning the Gentiles, God says in the prophecy of Hosea, those who are not my people, I will now call my people, and I will love those whom I did not love before. And then at the place where they were told, you are not my people, there they will be called the children of the living God. Verse 27. And concerning Israel, Isaiah the prophet cried out, Though the people of Israel are num as numerous as the sand of the seashore, only a remnant will be saved. For the Lord will carry out his sentence upon the earth quickly and, and with finality. And Isaiah said the same thing in another place. If the Lord of the heavens' armies had not spread a few of our children, spared a few of our children, we would have been wiped off, wiped out like Sodom and destroyed like Gomorrah. Mm -hmm. All right. Now, look at verse 30 to 33. What does all of this mean? Even though the Gentiles were not trying to follow God's standards, they were made right with God. And it was by faith that this took place. 31. But the people of Israel who tried so hard to get right with God by keeping the law never succeeded. Why not? Because they were trying to get right with God by keeping the law instead of by trusting in him. They stumbled over the great rock in their path. God warned them of this in the scriptures when he said, I'm placing a stone in Jerusalem that makes people stumble, a rock that makes them fall. But anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. So you see verse 33. It's pointing back to Christ again. What do you do with Christ? And at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. What do you do with him? Jew or Gentile? What do you do with Christ? Do you recognize him as the Messiah, as Lord, Savior? Or do you reject him? It's true. And it's not about God showing favoritism, which I know has sometimes been the questions that come out of that chapter, but but <clears throat> I've and again reference I forget. But it says that that um, God would that all would come to him. 
Oh, no. we come to believe. So we know yes. that his his heart is faithful. And his message is true. And we know that, that Christ, you know, from John 3.16 and beyond, you know, that Christ died for all. And that was always God's will that everybody has the opportunity. He loved the world. Absolutely. Because you hear that, you see this, that whosoever, in, in the King James 33, it says, as, is, as it is written, behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and a rock of offense. And whosoever there it is again, believe yeah. upon him shall not be ashamed. And of course, in the New Living Translation I just read, but anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. He's just pointing back yeah. to Christ. <clears throat> The Jewish Messiah. Jewish. Right? Christ Jesus is the door. For Which again goes to that concept of why everyone were the Jews so hated? Because of Jesus. It's not because of themselves, it's because of Jesus. It's always been about Jesus and, and Satan hating Jesus. Everything you have to do with Jesus, he want to be want to destroy. Yep. Yeah. All right. All right, let's, let's get off the theology for a little bit. <laughs> Step it back. All right. <laughs> and, and let's just be a little more practical. Let's just bring you practical. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, like, now. We talk about grace versus law and all this, and we, we talk about this a lot. This is like this is the whole crux of this series, right? Grace versus law. Okay. Now, just throw this out there. All right. I'm a new believer. I come up to any of y'all and I say, okay, I, I hear all this stuff about grace, right? Like, you saying I already got it, you boy Andrew be talking that stuff, I already got it, it's mine and everything. But I still got issues with smoking new boys, man. I, just, I love smoking new boys, honestly. And you know, I do I like my, my movies too, you know what I mean? You know, so them, them special movies that come on late at night. I like them too, man. Yeah. I love the Lord though. But you know, I like my Newports and my special movies too, man. Can't I have both? Like, I mean, we're not slaves to the law no more, right? What do you um, tell this, brother? Well, I would say, hey, as Andrew Walmack saw, says it about the Newports anyway, or the smoking, um, smoking's not going to send you to hell. You'll still go to heaven. But you might get there quicker. Quicker. <laughs> yes, definitely. And as for the movies, um, they can destroy relationships. And there's a lot of mental and emotional things, which probably Julius would know more about that with his, you know, line of work. But it's not good. So, in other words, we have now been adopted in by Jesus to a family where our dad cares about us. And he doesn't want us to hurt. And those things are going to hurt us. That's exactly what I would say personally. So, anyway. 
In other words, yes, you can. You can, but, but it's leaving opportunity for Satan to drag. It's going to hurt you. It's going to hurt you. The game of condemnation is going to be battling constantly. Yeah, it's going to hurt you. Yes. Okay. Month later, he comes back. Right. I know y'all said it's going to hurt me, but I don't know, man. I just, I still enjoy my new form. <laughs> now, I did slow down a little bit on the, the, the special That's movies. Me, yes. okay. <laughs> but every now and then, I still kind of you know, enjoy it. Right? But, I mean, I still trying to figure out how do I, oh, I understand, okay, it's, it's, it's not good, right? How do I become free from all that stuff? Knowing God's love for you. Just asking God to, you know, ask, getting them to ask God to show them a revelation of his love and agreeing with them. That's, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm running my mouth a lot faster. No, but you walked through it recently, too. <laughs> That's what I would say. And I'd say, you know, for, for yeah. things that I still struggle with, um, I know um, remembering God's righteousness has really been a help as well. Yeah. That we're righteous in Him. And that puts me, and righteous being, I, I think sometimes understanding what that means too, that it's not, um, you know, this proud religious word. Righteous means we're in right relationship with God now. So I want to keep my focus there. And anything that turns me away and makes me want to look at something else means I'm not looking at him anymore and it's dragging me down. <clears throat> I, I would say um, just to that person, and I might have even said it to a person before, just kind of forget about what you're doing and not doing and just grow in grace and in the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. And the grace of God as he grows in that grace, the grace is going to teach him. I mean, literally, you know, not that teach word, what the English teach word, where you're just kind of showing somebody something and eventually they get it. But it's actually going to transform them and their actions and they will put down the new force eventually, put down the inappropriate movies eventually because and reminding him that, which is growing in grace, that God ain't holding none of those things against him. You know, body hurting his body, as you know, as Julie and Mary mentioned, of course. But God is not holding against him. And eventually, through renewing in the mind, those things are just going to go away. Mm, that's good. Not focus so much on because that's really sin and not focus on sin because God instructs us not to even have that same conscience just to kind of just put it away and just kind of focus on him and building a relationship that's true what did Jesus do he just he hung out with sinners and all these people and, and then the Pharisees they were just like oh, you know like why is he doing that and he just loved them, and then when he loved them, that's what transformed their lives. The lawn, he was about love. Yeah, it all goes back to love. 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but I know, you know I read the scripture that you know y'all was talking it came to mind, you know, Paul said it Corinthians things in first Corinthians he says all things are permissible. All things are not beneficial. Yeah. So everything is not gonna benefit you though you are Christian, you say mm -hmm. you can smoke the new force, but I, I think you made a point. It's not beneficial, but then he said, y'all talk about all about love. And when y'all said that, remind me the story of the, the woman called adultery. You know, like you said, Jesus told her, okay, basically he demonstrated love to her. But he also, the last thing he said, okay, go and sin no more. He said, okay, don't keep doing this. Yeah. Because he but said, it's not going to benefit you to continue yeah. living it's this not lifestyle. Yeah. But understand, I love you. Yeah. But basically, he was saying this is not going to benefit you to continue to go down this road. Yeah. Because you're going to do harm to yourself, basically, emotionally, physically. Yeah. You know, so there's going to be some damage there if you continue on that road. You know, yeah, you said in some cases you may get to have quicker. Yeah. Do what you want. <laughs> yes. I think if you look at like some families too, like, you know, because we talk about like there's two extremes we could go here. We could go like, letter of the law, pound somebody over the head, or we could go like greasy graces. They say where, oh, you can do everything or whatever. And I go, I've looked at so many families. I know we all probably looked at that. And you see one family and they'll like beat their kids in the ground for stuff. And then the kids, something bad happens. Or then you see one family where their children are allowed to give with everything and it's not good. But it's like having that balance of that love and they discipline their children when they used to fall because the parents have a really good grounding and love and they do it because they love them. But then they also, you know, they encourage them and they feed them and they take good care of them and affirm them and stuff. And that's, I think that's the healthiest children you see brought up sometimes. So it's kind of like the same concept with us as believers. What I'd say the other thing is just remember that this is God's love letter and we need to be encouraging new believers to get into the word and walk in it with them. Because I think that's where they're going to learn what you're saying mm -hmm. as well. Because she was so scared. With that, it was John. John. The book of John. John's a good book to the start book of with, love. Oh, okay. That's Just where, as a note, I, I don't know. I, she was so scared. It was one of the Even when I was like, yeah, I was like. In the beginning. Mom was always like, start in John. Just do John's book of love. I'm like, okay. But then I did others, of course, too. But After. You know. But as you, as you yeah. become more. Just as a sidebar. I'm finding walking with somebody who who is in that place also. Yeah. And that, there you go again, that relationship that we also need each other because it, um, you know, I've, I've got four kids. They're all in their twenties to thirties. They're, they've all come from a Christian background, mission field exposure and all kinds of stuff, but um, ha have really like everybody else taken the journey of trying to figure out where's their heart and who is Jesus in their lives. And, and I'm just finding it's a it's a journey. It's not a day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's not. You it's not an no instant to, decision. You walk up to a brick wall. They, yeah, you walk. walk into and just one. like you, you know, they all have made a decision to follow Jesus back when they were younger. And I know, yeah. I know Jesus accepted that right where they were at in yeah. the place that they were at. But they now have to become adults in Christ, and, I, and I, we I, are doing yeah. the walk. But I'm learning. It's just continually little little. Drop here, little drop there of sharing the gospel through the word. Yeah. And the word is what sticks. I saw a relationship with people too, like God. And that's just so good. You can ask him anything. Like he'll, 
He'll bring the people in your life that you need. You might be shocked. You may not that God takes away, but He may take away people you don't not take away, but maybe influence it. People you don't need to be around, but yeah. that yeah. kind of becomes Head apparent. You. It's yeah. like a head. I'm not gonna say he takes it away, but yeah, exactly. Yeah, he moves me to like, the side. You're not as close with him. Yeah, it kind of becomes apparent. You know, moving away because I don't think God just like. Yeah, that's to say. Yeah, I correct myself. He doesn't take away. But he influences. Close to him, he's like okay, because I know we talk about relationship all the time, and that's one image. Imagery that I got was whenever you're in a relationship with somebody and you get closer to them, like if Judy was way back there, I could see her. But the closer I get to you, yeah, the more you become bigger to the me. More right? clear, yeah, exactly. You become bigger, and so all I can see is you. The same thing with God. Mm-hmm. Okay, the further you away, you know, you yeah. still say, but the closer you get to him, like okay, wait a minute, yeah, I didn't, you know, like if I get close. I mean, I noticed certain things I didn't notice about you. Like, okay, well, hey, there's a mark here, there's a mark there. So yeah. the closer you get to God, yeah. the more revelation gets to you. It's like, oh, yeah, I didn't see him that way. Well, I never saw that. Yeah. And yeah. So as she was talking about, that's why it's important to grow that intimate relation with him. Because it the is. closer you get to him, yes. the bigger he gets. Mm-hmm. And all this other stuff, it's like, wait a minute, that's not attractive anymore. Because, yeah. I see him as bigger than that, and so therefore, I'm not interested in the Mormon, interested in the Mormon, interested in the smoking new ports, because I see so much more of him now. Yeah. That, hey, this is not an important anymore. It's true. We're all looking for something in life, and I think I might have mentioned this before, being in the middle of a bar, I always laugh, and I go, the three and a half times I went, because it wasn't what I was looking for, but however, I go, <laughs> I saw a lot of people, and I go, my biggest thing was, I go, they're looking for something. I was looking for something, but I go like I knew on a background of they God. Didn't have and so an answer I go, I'm looking, I'm going, they're looking for something. I go, we're all looking for something. And if we really realize what who God is and what he has for us, we wouldn't need the new ports, you know? <laughs> That's good. That's good. Now see, when you know, Eric was giving that example, I was like, Okay, now see, if you get up in people's people's face, mm-hmm. you know, to real close, you're gonna see, you know, Blackheads, pimples, scars. <laughs> exactly. The flaws. I didn't want to go there. You know, scratch, scratch marks, <laughs> stuff there. like that. Yeah, he went there, but. right? <laughs> you gonna see that stuff, but 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 the, the closer you get to, to, to Jesus, yeah. what you gonna say? You see the love for him, the love. Right? or the, the scars he wore for us. You know, you gonna see stuff. Yeah. Like right, his it, character. It's, it's it's coming from it's it instead of it being like you looking at your iPhone six, it's gonna be like virtual reality. Right. Like everywhere you go, you look, you're just seeing the goodness of God mm-hmm. because of just the amount of time that you're spending. So you're immersed in that, that reality, mm-hmm. right? So that's good. That's good. Okay, so I'm, I'm talking to the guy. The guy comes back and he's like, you know what? I know what you're talking about, man. I know what you're talking about because, like, I, the more I was just kind of like talking to him throughout the day, Got to have it just, you know, going to that study. I threw the boys down. And in the mother movies, man, I, I don't even mess with them no more. And it wasn't nobody that told me to do it. And see, that's the type of growth you see. It's true. Right? It's true. But now, if you go to a mixture ministry, covenant mixture ministry, mm-hmm. And 
you know, and you think or you talk to a group of believers that think that the way to disciple is to, to beat you over here with the law, yeah. then you're just going to give, you know, the scripture that says don't do it and you better not do it or yeah. else. Yeah. yeah. Or you, what you must do all the time, too. Yeah. Really. You know, ministry, ministry, ministry until you're dead with ministry. Right. Yeah. Right. And and what happened? And you know what the end result of that is? Right. Give up. Yeah. You get so burned out, and you, you get so worn out. Yeah. But I remember him saying something a while back that because I was in a ministry like that where it was just the mixture of two covenants, yeah. and you know, and and like I said, I was, I, I did okay. You know, I was saving, did pretty good. But I remember him saying that it does when you in that type of environment, it does affect your level of intimacy with him. Oh my gosh. No, I was talking about you can't. You still gonna be like here. You yeah. never gonna get to the point where okay, oh, I see him in a different light now because when you going back and forth, well, you just like schizophrenic person. That's you know? just a marriage. You know, a nagging wife. I mean, that's why it talks about that in Proverbs, right? You know what I'm talking about? Of course, you guys do. <laughs> Yes, Alex is better to sit out on the roof, remember? It's a really strong picture. Yeah. But if you read that, I mean, it's just crazy how much, how, how many times he puts that image in Proverbs. Yes. Right? So just imagine somebody nagging you with the law. Well, he had a. This is mm-hmm. this is Solomon who wrote this. He had a lot of women. <laughs> so he know he know what time it is. God knew what was in his heart. Right. And um, just but just imagine that if that's the if that's all your that's what your your ministry the totality of what you're hearing right. is what you should have did what 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 ain't right and this is what you need to do is just like a spiritual nag spiritual nagging dripping and that's what ministry represents to you right. And, and people are telling you that's the Holy Ghost. How attractive is that going to be to you? Mm-hmm. After you done mm-hmm. failed four, five, six times, and, and the world is just calling, saying, hey, forget all that stuff, man. This stuff ain't even real anyway. Mm-hmm. And once you done fell on your face the fifth time, you're like, man, forget this. I'm tired of this. I can't meet up with this standard. And you leave. And then... And you're Christian. And yeah. then the picture of the, the the picture of the hypocrite is, is lifted up yeah. in that person's heart, right? <laughs> and all of this stuff is is, is a way to harden a person's heart against the good news. Because I'd say our kids are in that place, and I, I, I really hear it with kids yeah. that that um, you know they're told consistently what not to do, and then they get into the world when they graduate from high school or college or whichever, mm-hmm. well, probably high school, um, and they get into the world, and the world seems so accepting of them. Yeah. Like, everything's okay, and we'll just take you, and I've, I've heard so many people say non-believers are more accepting and more, more um, um, kind, quote-unquote, than, than the church. Yeah. And then we just walk away. I've seen this with my nieces and nephews so much. And it just breaks my heart because they've never seen what it really means to walk with Jesus other than. Yeah, you know, it's true. Like I've been, you know, I came out of a couple of youth groups and stuff when I was growing up. 
Sorry, it wasn't that long ago, and I'm 33, but it really wasn't that long ago. And I go, so many went so many ways, and I did. I tried. I, I got to the point where I was scared. It took me a little longer. Most of them did it in their early 20s, but I just, you know, turned 30, and I go, like, I can't do this anymore. You know, I was in a crisis. But I go, you know, I, I you know, it here's like, well, you know, there was the miracles. We were like, you know, super duper, like, you know, the spiritual gifts and everything. The way I was brought up, I go, I really, I heard a director a long time ago say this of a really big movie franchise. I won't say live, but it was like science fiction and stuff. And he had made a really profound statement. It really stuck with me. Is he goes, a special effect without a storyline is pretty boring. And he always made sure he had a really good storyline with it. You know, it was like sci-fi, you know, spacey type of stuff. And I go, that makes a lot of sense. And I go, we as growing up as, you know, youth, you know, we had legs healed and we had the gold dust stuff. And I mean, some are split on that. If they think that's God or not, okay, whatever. You know, if it is or isn't, the bubbles, all this stuff, all these like supernatural things. But I go, but then we were being told, well, you know, and I'm, I'm going there on this. We're talking about big stuff. Really Jesus is coming back before you get married or have kids. Better just count that out. Oh, well, oh, you want to do that? Well, you really need to be a pastor. Not that a pastor is not a bad thing. It's good to have pastors, but you know. Not everybody's cut out to be, you want to be a teacher? Oh, heck no, no, God don't want you to do that. And then you're just sitting there like, well, God healed my leg, but he took my dreams away. So you know, it's like, and then you're taught that God, the very one who has the answer, you're, turn, you're taught to turn away from, you know? And it's like, you know, yeah. but to know that God really cares, you know? And all that speaks to the danger of mixing covenants. Yeah. Mm -hmm. right. Yeah, it does. So. Uh, to close out, we'll, I'm going to look at Luke 5, 36-39, and then we're going to go back to Romans 7 after that. Luke 5, 36-39. In the New Living Translation, it says, Then Jesus gave them this illustration. No one tears a piece of cloth from a new garment and uses it to patch up an old garment. For that new garment would be ruined, and the new patch wouldn't even match the old garment. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins, for the new wine would burst the wineskins, spilling the wine and ruining the skins. New wine must be stored in new wineskins, but no one who drinks the old wine seems to want the new wine. It's just fine, they say. I see. You see what's be everything that, that you can pull from this parable here. Now, we are what? New creations in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. All things have become brand new. That's our spiritual reality. That's, that's, that's our identity, who we are. We are new creations in Christ. But if you're a believer and you don't know that, if, if that's not a reality, if that's not a revelation of you, then this talk about walking in the newness of the Spirit, being led by the Spirit, fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit, it's not going to taste the same. But getting up and hearing somebody, you better not do X, Y, Z. Or else XYZ is gonna happen. 
that type of feeding, that type of preaching, it's going to sound good. It's going to sound like that's real preaching. It's because, familiar. Because it's familiar. It's old. Old wine. Right? This stuff about you are a new creation in Christ. Walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. That sounds like heresy. Like what you talking about? Mm-hmm. You want to greasy grace people, ain't you? Well, to speak to what you're saying, I know you got that scripture, any man being Christ, he the new creature, old things, the past one. Behold, all things come new. For me, when I heard that scripture, I only saw that in the physical. Mm-hmm. Okay, because, and I know a lot of people, okay, because God said, I remember the testimony girl I told that came to my church and got saved, and remember she didn't stop smoking. And she was like, okay, I can't be saved because I'm still doing this. So if you ain't looking at it from the physical, okay, I'm going to get saved because, you know, uh, I'm, I got a drinking problem. And, you know, uh, I, I know I got to stop. You know, so Jesus can help me with this. It's fine. Okay. Get saved. Still want to drink. I'm going to sing it saved because I still. Yep. Mm-hmm. So like you said, but. but that's what I love about Andrew with the book Spirit, Soul, and Body. Mm-hmm. When I understood it, yeah. it was the spirit part of me that got it became new. That's oh. huge. Right. It's became I, huge. Ours wasn't so much the physical, it was the soul. You have a new heart now. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, if I have a new heart, it's not pretty. <laughs> it's just not pretty. Right. I know my secrets, even if nobody else exactly. does. Exactly. You know, and so right, yeah, from a physical, emotional point of view, then you're like, well, how am I new? Because I'm still struggling with this, and I still got that. I, really I may have, that. you know, this may not be, but I still got this problem, this problem, this problem, this problem. Yeah. And so it's like, yeah. okay, so how am I new? Mm-hmm. Because That's I don't it. see nothing new. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we were conditioned by that song. I looked at my hands yeah, and they look new. Hey, I looked at my feet and they look new too. I'm like, what? And no, bro, they look the same to me. I got baptized. Everything was the same. I don't know it's cliche, but I mean, that cliche was in the Baptist church. I don't know about any other denomination. Well, was, I thought if you didn't get your toes crunched all the pieces. Yeah. Yep. That was the beaten, you know, the grace right. is there, but also you better be, if you're not, you're, you're not pulling your toes back and going, then you didn't have a good sermon that day. Yeah. That's how it was. In other words, if we weren't being condemned, we were condemned, you know, right? Yeah. You're, you're doing this. Yeah, you're doing this wrong. Why are you doing this? But God loves you. Better get it right. You're saved now. You shouldn't be doing that. Yeah, you, you the word says this. You feel, you the like, word said. And I knew me. I don't know what saved, but I was like, yeah, I was like, even more. I got these issues, you know. You know, I, I did pretty good. I was doing pretty good yeah, outwardly. Yeah. But then, you know, like you said, I, certain people couldn't stand and mm-hmm. certain things still doing and still thinking a certain way. You It'll like, make you question. It's like, well, people who are saved don't do that. But you know in your heart you're saved. You're like, but I did that. Am yeah, I saved? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it, yes, it does. Yes. It does. Oh, yeah. We've all been there, I'm sure, at this table. Yeah. So uh, salvation is based in what? What Christ did, and our, and our trust in that. 
Yes, and the more we know that, the more all of this, we will see our hands, you know, you know everything. You know. But it starts in the spirit because God is spirit. Right. Boy, was that a big help. Yes. Yeah. To realize Us that. too. So let's close with Romans 7, 5, and 6. And I'll be coming from the Google translation again. Seven, five, and six. And it says, When we were controlled by our new nature, uh, when we were controlled by our old nature, sinful desires were at work within us. And the law aroused these evil desires that produced a harvest of sinful deeds, resulting in death. But now we have been released from the law, for we died to it and are no longer captive to its power. Now we can serve God, not in the old way of obeying the letter of the law, but in a new way of living in the spirit. So we got a new husband. We have a new husband. He has provided all things. Yes. All right, social media family. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you in a couple weeks. Bye. Bye. Bye.